Geraldo Jackson peered through the bushes at midnight. He couldn't see much, but what he could see did not disappoint. Mrs. Myers was sitting on her couch wearing a skimpy outfit, and Geraldo was excited. He loved her soft, supple skin, watching it through the window. Enticing. She was the most beautiful woman around town, even if it was his best friend's mother. As he gazed through the bushes, as boys, young boys do, he noticed a rustle a little off to the right, but he ignored it and remained focused. It wasn't very hard to keep him from remaining focused anyway. <laughs> Mrs. Myers in her skimpy robe was watching the television, drinking a martini and thinking deeply because she kept looking up at the ceiling and turning her neck. Clearly, she wasn't enticed by the television when suddenly somebody knocked on the door and startled her. And at just that moment, there was yet another rustling in the bushes to his right. This time, he turned his head to see what it was just in time to see the tail of a skunk lifted and a spray. The skunk ran away and little Geraldo fell on his back in the dirt. What a rotten smell. Ugh, smells like spoiled eggs. Geraldo raced down the street, fearing that it, the scent was stuck into his clothes and onto his skin. And he thought about the old wives' tales about bathing in tomato soup. And he didn't want to do that because he was allergic to tomatoes. So the next morning, Geraldo's mother called to him from the kitchen. Geraldo, your breakfast is ready. Geraldo woke up immediately, remembering what had happened the night before, because he could still smell the skunk spray on him. He looked over to his little brother, Tommy, who was still fast asleep, and luckily, luckily not awake, because Tommy's known to tattle and would have run down and told his mother already. He tried to think, what should I do? What should I do? Geraldo went down the stairs, and he stopped by his parents' bedroom. He thought, you know what? Just might be able to trick him. He slid into the bedroom, opened up his dad's dresser, and found a spray bottle of cologne. And he dabbed himself on the neck and on the wrists and on his shirt lapel and everything and everywhere he could think of, hoping to mask the scent of the skunk. When he went down to the breakfast table, he sat with his parents, who both gave him very strange looks because he smelled like a cheap whore. And they asked, What's going on with you? Geraldo tried to buy himself time by pouring some orange juice and fiddling with a fork. He said, what, what do you mean? What do you mean what's going on with me? Everything's normal. Nice day we're having here. His mother looked at him sideways. Are you okay? You smell like your dad's cologne. Geraldo looked back at her sideways, pretending nothing was wrong. Uh, whatever could you be talking about, mother? And caught the orange juice container just before he overfilled his glass. At just that moment, little Tommy came walking up to the table. His hair was all a mess. He had clearly just woken up. Well, it's nice of you to join us, Tommy. Tommy pulled the chair out and climbed onto it. He, he was noticeably much smaller than a boy should be of his age of five. The father was rustling behind a newspaper and he peered over top of it to look at his two boys and he looked at his wife and he looked at his children again and he said, Martha, Martha, come here. And he whispered into his wife's ear, I think Geraldo has a girlfriend. And she chuckled and she continued to set their plates and make their breakfast. And she was beaming from ear to ear, although he didn't. Although the father didn't share the same enthusiasm. Girls meant trouble. Did Miss Myers grade your papers yet? Geraldo nearly choked on his orange juice. <laughs> 
forgetting for only a moment that he was staring into his teacher's and his best friend's mom's bedroom just the night before. Ah, he rubs his head nervously. I, I don't really want to talk about that. Can we go back to talking about the clone real quick? <laughs> I think I'm becoming a man, Geraldo says, grabbing his dad's coffee. He takes a big chug of it. <laughs> he spits it out and he says, Oh, that's awful. How do people drink it? And his father's looking at him across the breakfast table like he's insane. What has gotten into you, Geraldo? He's twitching nervously and he's like, uh, nothing. I'm fine. Everything's fine. He grabs a handful of bacon and he runs out the bedroom, out of the kitchen, <laughs> out of the house, and goes to school. Well, at school, Tommy waited patiently at his desk for the teacher to come in. All the kids around him talked without him because he wasn't very popular at school. Not that he really cared, because he was always able to keep himself busy with gadgets and helping his father out on the farm and the occasional snooping. The school bell rang, and all the kids slowly but surely started to shut up, and um, Geraldo straightened up at his in his desk, even though he couldn't have been more straight, organized his folders, and Miss Myers walked through the door and sat at her desk and started calling out names. Miss Myers was looking exceptionally wonderful in a tight white blouse. All the young boys were staring at her, dreaming, drooling on the desktops. Billy, here. Uh, Freddy, here. Geraldo, <coughs> here. He had to clear his throat and try to hide the fact that he was just snooping on the teacher and couldn't get the image out of his mind. Geraldo's friend, Terry, was looking over at him. What's... what's going on? Geraldo, why do you smell weird? Why are you acting weird? Shut up, Terry. Just then, the room began to rumble, and all the kids looked around in shock. Miss Meyer says, Get down underneath your desks, children. And the crowd gets up quickly and scurries underneath the desk. She braces herself in the doorway knowing what to do because she's been through a million drills before. She braces herself, watching as all the kids are safe underneath their fold-top desks, and she expects that the intercom will come on very shortly. When the rumbling stops and the room stops shaking, the intercom pings, and Principal Drexler says, If anybody is hurt, please come down to the infirmary. It was just a minor earthquake. It's nothing to worry about. And just after the intercom shuts off, the aftershock starts. Geraldo could see a crack forming in the wall, and bits of drywall began to crumble to the ground. Geraldo, under his desk, looked over at Terry's desk to find Terry with his hands over his head crouched into a ball. He couldn't help but laugh, for he'd never seen his best friend in all the three or four years that he'd known him looking so ridiculous. Miss Myers turned back to the kids. We have to leave, now! All the kids, most of the kids, came out from under their desk without argument, except Geraldo noticed Terry stayed behind. He was too scared to move maybe paralyzed with fear. Is everybody here? Miss Myers uh, said from the hallway, counting all the kids that came out um, for some reason not remembering one student. Geraldo said, no, Terry's still left behind. And without thinking, he suddenly burst back into the room and went to retrieve Terry. But Terry still wouldn't move. Terry, dude, we gotta get out of here. Look, look at the wall. There's a huge crack forming in the wall. We can't be here. Terry grumbled under his breath. This is the worst one yet. No, it's not. The one last year was way worse than this. Terry muttered. I can't keep doing this, man. What are you talking about? Geraldo said. There's something wrong. There's something really wrong with me. 
I can't keep going through earthquakes. Geraldo tried to shut him up and tried to drag him out from the desk, but Terry would not budge. He's like, what if the school collapses? We can't just go. Sure we can. Everybody else is outside. We're just waiting for you. Terry says, I'm not going. Geraldo says, oh yes, you are. Geraldo grabs him by the wrist and drags him out from underneath kicking and screaming and Terry gets to his feet and he says run and they start running as the crack in the wall begins to widen all the children Terry Geraldo Miss Myers the rest of the teachers ran from the school as the foundation collapsed including the wall debris puffed out seemingly from the ground as the rubble collapsed the kids all gathered around miss myers who was standing over by a phone booth the only phone booth geraldo thought to himself in the entire state probably is everybody okay everybody acknowledged their presence and for the most part everybody was okay except for terry who was continuing his little panic attack Where's Clark Kent when you need him, right? Terry joked with Geraldo. Geraldo's like, this is no time for jokes. You almost died in that freaking building, you idiot. Terry curled back up and continued to cry. Miss Myers gathered all the children and hugged them and began calling parents, only the ones that she could remember their numbers off the top of her head. Principal Drexler had made it outside, but not everybody had. He began to gather all the children, and they all began to ask a million questions. Surrounding the school, almost all the houses were still in shape, except for one. One house had also collapsed. Glass and broken wood surrounded their plot of land, and all the traffic on the street had stopped to stare at this collapsed school, and some of the bystanders were coming to comfort the children. Paragraph break. Somewhere in Nevada, 5,000 feet under the ground in a military silo, flashes on hundreds of computer screens and the whirring of electronics, the beep-boop of electronics as well, and the clicking of keys on a keyboard, on a single keyboard in the middle of the room. John Jackson Barry typed away. How long had he been down here? Hours? Days? Weeks? John Jackson Barry had no idea. He did know he was the only one in the room, although at times his thoughts made him feel otherwise. At one point, he could have sworn he caught himself having a conversation with an ex-girlfriend from high school 40 years ago. But no, that's impossible, he said to himself. There couldn't be anyone down here. How long have I been down here? He looked back up at the screens. This was why he was here, analyzing, looking for any detail. On the far right, top right, a computer screen caught his attention. It was a school somewhere in Ohio. A small school. He couldn't remember why he had been told to put this on the monitor. But at that moment, he could see that the school was collapsing, presumably from an earthquake. He noted this in his head, typed it down in his little keyboard. And then a moment went by, and then it clicked. And he remembered why he was down here in the silo. Earthquakes. Natural disasters. He was here to look for natural disasters. Damn, I could use another cup of coffee. He turned around in his swivel chair to the red rotary phone on the desk behind him. Only for emergencies, the little sign below it said, he thought to himself again, well, this is an emergency, but it's never happened. So he picks up the phone and he presses the red button on the, no, he dials 624 because it's a rotary phone. There's a red button at, no wait, there's a red button and a rotary phone. He dials while pressing the red button. <laughs> you made that way more complicated than you need to be. <laughs> it's a phone call! God damn it, Jackson. I gotta write that name down. <laughs> John Jackson Barry picks up the phone. You guys, you guys, it's happening. I didn't think it was ever gonna happen, but it's happening. He was both excited and terrified because he 
foresaw this earthquake happening by a long time. He wished, in this moment, that he had set out the warnings that he had originally written, the handwritten letters that stacked up on his desks, all the foreshadowed storms, all the foreshadowed weather patterns, and all the pending doom. Holy shit, are you serious? General Gordon, there's like 20 characters in the story so far. <laughs> General Gordon looked at his watch. Why do I have a watch? I have a phone. This was just one of many menial thoughts he, he had to himself daily, and he wondered if maybe he was just getting old. General Gordon turned around in his swivel chair to his little red phone, pressed the button, and dialed the number, because he knew exactly what to do. Only he was in charge of lots of different things. And this one seemed rather insignificant to him, but the government had put him in charge, as they had John Jackson Barry who he personally could not stand. Hello? General Tom's phone call lands directly in the office of the president. How can I help you, General Gordon? Tom Gordon? So, um, General Gordon says nervously, uh, you know that crackpot that I have in the basement down here? Yes. What about him? Well, Barry was right. There's a long pause. And then the president says, how right? Well, this is the third time this week that he's been right about forecasting shadows. You remember the tsunami in Japan? Saw that coming. Earthquake in Ohio? Saw that coming. And that forest fire in California? Saw that coming. He even knew that one three days in advance. The president rubbed his chin, as he was wont to do. Well, I guess I'm going to have to make the call then. He turned around in his swivel chair in the Oval Office to a little red phone, pressed the button, and dialed the number. Hello? The Russians said. It's time to bring out the big boys. Somewhere in Moscow, the streets began to open up, revealing a massive spaceship. The spaceship began to rise up out of the ground, very slowly, dramatically. Vladimir Putin says to his country, It's time. We aren't going to lie to you like the Americans. The aliens are here. Back in Ohio, news vans are pulling up in front of the collapsed school as debris is pushed aside and something is protruding from the ground, lifting up, slowly raising. Principal Drexler is screaming at the top of his lungs, what the hell is that? As the rubble falls apart and exposes a giant spaceship that was underneath their school the entire time. The spaceship suddenly sprouted arms with claws at the end as a giant abdomen thing could be seen rising out of the tip of the spaceship. Feet appeared with claws. No, paws. Claws. Just feet, toes, sharp toes. <laughs> talons. Two giant. Yes, talons, thank you. <laughs> Two giant black eyes appeared and looked down at Miss Myers. They seemed to want her. Geraldo looked at the grisly, abominable creature and back at Miss Myers and then back at the creature and felt a ping of jealousy and it balled up his fists and turned towards the creature protruding from the rubble that used to be his school. The creature noticed Geraldo pacing towards him and was fascinated by this tiny, irrelevant human boy creature who seemed to want to fight. I'm gonna mess you up, alien, Geraldo said as he walked towards this giant being. The giant being, seeing no threat in Geraldo, stared at him, watching him cross the parking lot, waiting, watching to see if he was gonna be brave enough to attack. Miss Myers, honored by Geraldo's bravery tried to stop him from approaching the oncoming alien, but she couldn't. Geraldo would not be stopped. His face was turning red, his teeth were gritted, and he was angry, and his bald fists were tight and hard. The alien stooped down to Geraldo's level, bringing his big black eyes within mere inches 
of Geraldo's face. Geraldo was not scared. Meanwhile, back across the parking lot, Terry was literally shitting his pants, and then he passed out. Geraldo looked up to the alien thing. We're assuming it's an alien anyway, he thought to himself, and raised one fist and said, I demand a fight. The alien, not understanding what he said, looked at him sideways. Geraldo couldn't help but notice, not unlike his mother, who was always judging him, criticizing him in his outfits and his boyish ways. Geraldo took his fist and swung as hard as he could, hit the alien right between the eyes. The alien, shocked, jumped backwards. Didn't fall backwards, because, you know, what's a little boy going to do? But is clearly aware now that this boy wants to fight. And takes it in his, takes those phrases, remembers the phrases that the boy uttered in his brain and logs it into his computer mind to translate as meaning some, in some way or another, wanting to fight for future reference. The alien grabbed its, grabbed the ground and threw itself up into the air and let itself fall directly over Geraldo. And then, suddenly, at the last minute, darted over to Miss Myers. Seemingly, it could fly. Grabbed Miss Myers, not unlike King Kong, and that woman, Naomi Watts, Wattspad, Naomi Wattpad, and held her in the air, looking the boy directly in the eyes, as if to say, what are you going to do about it? But actually saying, Police cars were now surrounding the school, and they too were looking up at this alien thing, which was now holding Miss Myers hostage. Police had their guns drawn on it, but regular bullets did nothing to this thing. Terry was coming back too. When he lifted off the pavement, he looked up and saw Miss Myers up in the air, and he passed out again. Geraldo screamed, Bring her back! Bring her back! To which the alien didn't even acknowledge him, and he began to flow, slowly drift away. Geraldo? No, no, the alien. <laughs> but suddenly started to slow down. Blisters, small at first, but then growing ever larger, began to form on the alien's skin. The alien dropped to the ground, inquisitively looking around at his body. Geraldo walked forward, still unnaturally unafraid for a boy of his age. Goonies never say die. <laughs> Walks right up to the alien who is now covered in huge blisters. The alien sniffs once, and then Geraldo remembers the perfume, cologne. The cologne was having an effect on the alien. From his swivel chair back 5,000 miles below the earth in Nevada, John Jackson Barry watched the screen intently. Surpri just as surprised as Geraldo and everybody at the school was that the alien was dying. The phone behind him which was only supposed to be an out-call phone, was ringing off the hook. He ignored it for as long as possible, and then finally swiveled his chair back around and picked up. Hello? Mr. Barry, this is the president speaking. You've been called to action. I'm afraid to be the one to do it to you, but somebody's got to get to Ohio, and I'm, I think you're the only one to do the job. Mr. Barry took a deep breath, thinking about the last time he was in Ohio and how everything had gone drastically wrong. All right, Mr. President, I'll do it. He hung up the phone, and he walked out to the elevator that lifted him to the ground level. He got into his car, and he began to drive. He drove all night, heading towards Ohio to rescue some kid that he didn't know, and to rescue some teacher that he didn't know, but he felt that fate was whispering in his ear, and it was the right thing to do. As the sun began to set, he noticed a pang of hunger in his stomach, and in the distance, he could see... A bright neon lit sign as he approached he noticed 
It said, Lankies. And he thought to himself, man, I could really go for some sopping fries. Uh, Mr. Barry rushes into Ohio, having a full belly of soggy fries, and not concerned about being tired because his adrenaline was pumping. He knew how to kill the alien. He figured it out by watching the footage of the alien reacting. When he got there, he said, I think I know what did it. I think I know what killed the alien, or what's killing the alien. You're wearing, you're wearing cologne, aren't you? He said to the little boy. Geraldo said, how'd you know? And he said, I saw it. It sniffed you. It sort of opened its sort of nasal passage, I guess, if that's what you call it. <laughs> and then it reacted. And then it started falling and tripping and blisters started to break out. Do you happen to have the bottle on you? Geraldo searched his pockets. You know what? I do. He pulled out the pot, the bottle of cologne. And Mr. Barry took it in his hand and he ran towards the alien. And he began to spray it, little spritz of cologne. And the alien screeched, dropping Miss Myers onto the ground. And it hollered and blisters popped. And alien fell and turned and twisted and screeched until it stopped moving altogether. And everybody in the area, the cops, the principal, the teacher, all the children started to cheer. Mr. Barry saved the day. Except for Terry, who had literally just woken up and had no idea what was going on. The end. (laughs) This has been the writer's block. Cool kids, remember to subscribe and tune in next week for the next episode the writer's block the coolest podcast of all time time time